there is a air of excitement in the air. I'm, I'm naturally excited about holidays and times like the different seasons because I'm a, I'm, I'm a guy that constantly lives into the future. You know, I'm constantly thinking about what's to come, what's to come, what's to come. You know, and it's in these holidays and these times we get a chance to reflect. I, you know, oftentimes I think about New Year's Day, I think about Christmas, today, Resurrection Sunday. We got a good chance to celebrate our King and even grieve the death this past Friday on Good Friday. But all of these holidays gets us the opportunity to reflect. It gets us the opportunity to pause and to think about kind of where we are, where we've been, and where God has us going. And so it was really, it's always refreshing on times like this to get a chance to come before you and to deliver God's word. As we've already said, we are in the book of Luke. So if you have your Bible open up to Luke, chapter 24, Luke 24. We already read, kind of set up, give us a little bit of uh, the context of what's going on. And But as we prepare to look forward and celebrate why we are here today um, on Resurrection Sunday, we get a chance to do something that I think is significant on, not just today, but on um, on each and every day that we get a chance to remember our Lord. And that is this, if you have, if you're taking notes, I want you to write down five words and, and kind of, you know, I was thinking about a title and thinking about how to, to come out and talk about today. But really today is really these five words is Resurrection Sunday. Resurrection Sunday is Remember Sunday. I just want you to write those five words. Resurrection Sunday is Remember Sunday. Let that kind of frame today, because I think it's really going to be important for us um, of the, the key word, the, the importance of remembering, right? When we talk about Resurrection Sunday is Remember Sunday. I know some of you guys are already saying that we're every week, every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday, or every day is Resurrection Sunday. But as I was thinking about that, I was, you know, um, I started saying, well, for those people who think that way, they can say every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday, Therefore, every Sunday is Remember Sunday, but it just didn't flow in the same way as the first. So we basically are just saying like Resurrection Sunday is Remember Sunday. You see, one of the things that we need to understand about these types of days, right, is that these days God places in our lives, I really strongly believe for us to be to celebrate both the resurrection of Christ, but ultimately to remember him. And that he puts these days in our, time, in our path for us to remember him. Why is that important? Because I really believe as believers, we struggle with the thing that all believers have struggled with even since the time of the disciples. And that's this thing that's called spiritual amnesia. Spiritual amnesia. You know, ever since the beginning of time, ever since time, even when Christ walked among us, we, we have a way to forget about what Christ has done and what he is doing. We have, a, we have a tendency to forget kind of his words, what he is saying to you and I. We have a tendency to forget. We, we can trace it all the way back to Mark chapter 8. Right in Mark 8, we see the idea of Christ calling the, the disciples to remember. You remember that time? Basically, Christ referred to it as beware. It was in the time when they was on the boat and they was on the ship and they was going across. And the disciples realized that they had no bread. And in the midst of them trying to solve this problem, Jesus was peering in and listening to what was going on. And then he says, hey, and he tells them, says, he's beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. 
Beware of the leaven. Beware for this thing this, to, to crowd out, to come up. And then he goes on and he, and he tells them, he says, you're focused and you're worried about not having bread, but do you basically remember the time that I fed the 5,000 with only a few loaves and a few fish? Do you remember the time that I fed the 4,000? And then he, when, when he tells them, he says, remember. And he calls them ultimately to remember, Right? And so I really believe that the Lord understands and he knows our spiritual amnesia. So ultimately, he puts these holidays, he put these things in for us to remember. We see that in James. In James chapter 1, he says, don't be just a hearer of God's word, but be a doer of God's word. And he differentiates the two by his one who looks into a mirror. And then when he leaves, he forgets. He forgets what he was like. He forgets, but he says, and he's caused us to look intently. And then he also says, don't forget, but remember, right? If we were to even think about last Easter, if we were to think about last Sunday, do you remember what the message was? Do you remember what the, 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 the message was last week? Do you remember oftentimes when the last time God was ever so present in our lives? You know, but oftentimes, instead, we can remember the trauma that we're in. We can remember the, the tragedy. We can remember the problems, the stress. We, there are certain things that we can remember very easily. But when it comes to God's goodness, when it comes to God's faithfulness, when it comes to God's word, we as believers, as we've always had, has a problem about the problem of remembering, of remembering. And so this is really important. This is really important for us. And the reason why is this, is I really believe that our spiritual amnesia causes us to forget both what Christ has said and done. Our spiritual amnesia causes us to forget both what Christ has said and done. And it does a few things. It clouds our perception, it hardens our hearts, and it changes our focus from the God above. And today, Holy Week, as we kind of wrap this week up, this was the week that God was calling us, calling you to remember. And this is the reason why we say Resurrection Sunday is Remember Sunday. So this is where we're at. In Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12, let me read it, and then we will make a couple of observations. It says this in 24.1. On the first day of the week... Very early in the morning, they came to the tomb bringing the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women who were terrified and bowed down to the ground. And they asked this question. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Asked the men. He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying it is necessary for the Son of Man to be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and rise on the third day. Verse 8 says, and they remembered his words. 
Returning to their tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them were telling the apostle these things. But these words seemed like nonsense to them, and they did not believe the woman. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. When he stopped to look in, he saw only linen cloths. So he went away amazed at what had happened. He went away amazed at what had happened. Let's go before the Lord one more time. Father, we're thankful that we get a chance to remember, we get a chance to reflect, we get a chance to be here today to remind ourselves the songs that we sung, that our God is risen. Father, that you, Father, have raised Christ from the dead, that he is alive. And Father, that he sends us the power and the presence of his Holy Spirit to be with us, to remind us of this truth, to, to celebrate from within us that you are, that you have, and that you are alive and you're active. And so, Jesus, we're thankful. We're thankful for today. We're thankful for this time. We're thankful for this text. Father, now allow the words of our hearts and the meditations of our mouths to be acceptable to you. For you are truly our rock and our redeemer. And so, Father, we lift you up in this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, and so in here, basically, let me just kind of reestablish the context. We, we read already in verse 44 of chapter 23 all the way through 56. He's given us a little context in, you know, as this whole weekend or even this whole week has been preparing us for this day. Now, we get the privilege of having already known the end before the story um, began. But here, the, the, if you recognize the apostles, the disciples, the women that we're going to see in this passage, basically, they didn't have the same. They didn't have the same um, background or the same end of the story in which we thought, even though Jesus had told them they had a problem. They didn't remember. You see, in Luke chapter 23, verse 44, it talked and throughout, it just talked about a few things that it says, one of the things that it says there was darkness, right? If you just kind of set up, there was darkness all over the land. And that darkness didn't just come and go. It wasn't just a cloud that moved over, but it says for three hours, as Christ was about to be crucified, there's darkness in the land. But not only was there darkness, but there was also the curtain that, that separated us between God and man. And it says the, the curtain in the temple was torn down the center. And so we see the curtain in the sanctuary was split down the middle. We see Jesus talking to his father. And what does he say? Into your, into my, into your hands, I entrust my spirit. Father, we see the different responses that came because of this. You saw the centurion man who says this man truly was righteous. You saw the crowds going home beating their chest. You saw the disciples looking back in the distance, staying away as they are following where they're going to take Jesus's body. And then you have this man, Joseph. Oftentimes we, we forget about him. Joseph steps up, and he was one of the people that was in the Sanhedrin that said, I, I'm, not a, I'm not with what the other Pharisees, what the other religious leaders were, were about. And so one of these men who didn't agree with the rest, 
They went and he asked for Jesus' body and he took him and he buried him in his tomb. And while the disciples and, and the women, basically they were walking around and they were following him from a distance just to see where they were burying Jesus. Just to see where they was burying him. And there was Friday. And then Saturday came. And just like all the other faithful Jews, the disciples took that time to observe the Sabbath. And so the, the text puts us up. And on 24th, on Luke 24, verse 1, it says, On the first day. After the death of Jesus, these women, they were spent all day preparing because their desire was to anoint Jesus with spices. You got to understand during that time, they, um, the, the Jews, they didn't practice embalming. Right? And so what they did was that they had spices, they had um, different um, perfumes. They would come to cover up basically the stench of the body that would come from the decay. And so as they were preparing their spices and as they were preparing all of their perfumes to go to on after the Sabbath, they say early that morning on the first day they went to prepare for what they began to, for what they thought was the decay and the decomposition of Jesus's body. They wanted to cover up the stench. And what you see and what's really important is that there's a few things that there was a sense of haste. There was a sense of, of desire. There was a sense of passion. There wasn't just kind of waiting, but there was anticipation because we see it says on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they went to the tomb and they brought their spices that they had. And so you see the very first day, the very first thing in the morning, the very first place to go look for Jesus, they bought their first fruits to him. And so they did all that they knew, all of that they had, everything that they had access to, to go and to prepare, ultimately to cover up what they believed was the stench that was going to come from the decay and the decomposition of Christ. There has been much taking place, but when they get to, there, when they get to the tomb, there's a problem. Verse 2 said that they found the stone. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. What I love about Luke is that Luke doesn't elaborate right here. He doesn't spend a lot of time because the focus is not how the, the, the tomb or how the stone got moved, but the focus was something else. Verse 3, we see the, the, this, is the, this is what they saw. They went in in verse 3, but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. They did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And the Bible tells us that in response to this, that they were both perplexed, they were astonished, right? This idea of being perplexed, they, that it talks about they were in a state of confusion. You remember, they, they went, they followed Joseph. They went and they saw him. They, they knew they had the right tomb. They, they saw everything, but then they went in. The first was kind of puzzled because the stone was rolled away. And then when they went into the tomb, they saw that his body was not there. That caused a lot of confusion. That caused a lot of anxiety that it talks about, that the Bible tells us within those, with those women. And what ended up happening is that in the midst of this, and as they're probably talking to one another, they're trying to figure out what's going on. Two men, they said they had kind of this glow about them. Two angels stood before them with dazzling clothes. 
in the proper response of what we see multiple times throughout the scriptures. It says in verse five, so the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. They bowed down to the ground. And so here we have all of the context that, that we see that there has been death and there's been everything that these women have put into trusting Jesus. They, they put all of their stock into, and then they come to this point right here. He's not there. The stone is rolled away. They're perplexed. And then they get these, this question from these guys. And here's the question. This is what the men asked. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Why are you looking for the, for the living among the dead? You see, again, the problem right here wasn't their devotion. The problem wasn't even their dedication. You see, on one end, they fully gave themselves ever since the time, ever since the time of Jesus, from 12 o'clock all the way to now, they have been preparing everything. And as soon as they had opportunity, they followed, they followed Jesus the very first day, the very first, morning, very first thing in the morning. They gave everything that they had. They were fully devoted. They were fully committed to Jesus. The problem wasn't their dedication. They gave it all to him. Their problem was their perspective. And the angels come in and they ask them this question, why? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? You see, I really believe that the point of all of this, of this context, as he, we're about to get into the, the resurrection story and just kind of where the response, I think right here in this context, he's ultimately trying, Luke is trying to help us to understand that they were, they, just like us, were trying to address the problems of their day by simply trying to cover up the decay, cover up the decomposition. And so they were coming in and Jesus had made some promises and he made some statements. But just like us, they had some spiritual amnesia. And so he comes and we recognize that he says, this, he says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? You know, in this time, in this season, we have a, we're having a period where each and every Sunday, each, whether it be through the internet or whether we through a variety of different things, we come together, we recognize, and if you did a quick Google search, that Sunday, Easter Sunday, is the most um, visited day for, for believers. And I think ultimate are for believers and non-believers alike. This is the day that people come because they're, they're searching. Oftentimes they're searching because they have been looking for different answers. They've been looking for different things that this is a season. And if you just Google like religious holidays, that there's lots of people that are in this time, in this season are searching. That you see celebration of things like Ramadan. You see, you see people practicing Lent. You see practicing all types of religions. Even I recognize that there's two atheist holidays during this time. That people, that in this time, that there's, that there's this God-sized void that's placed in the heart of every man. And that we begin to search. And what we recognize is that through all the devotion and all the dedication, without the resurrection, what we end up doing at best is covering up the stench of our day. At the best, we just cover it up. We recognize that so many of us, that even when we are using our best resources, the best of our time, that there's still a void. 
These women, these people that we're going to see, basically they were responding. They were responding to the hurt that life brings. But you and I have lived enough life to recognize that, that when we take uh, matters into our hands, it doesn't answer. It doesn't bring about life-changing solution. And so these two men's, these two men, these two angels, basically they challenge their perspective and the two angels call them to, and this is the one in verse six, this is the one command that we see in all of this text. Verse six, it says, remember, remember. In the midst of all of what's going on, the angels come and they first challenge their perspective. Why are you looking among the living, among the dead? And he comes with the solution. The first one is remember. But what are we to remember? It says in verse 6, remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, it is necessary for the Son of Man to be portrayed in the hands of sinful men, be crucified and raised on the third day. Remember, right? Because when we don't remember that it's our spiritual amnesia, that is when we forget both what Christ has said and what he has done, it impacts, it clouds our perception. It hardens our heart. And it changes our focus from the God above. One of the things that we recognize and when we first understand this word to remember is that we, remember, we have to recognize that remembering isn't a passive act. It's a very active act. It's an action that brings us perspective of both God's power and it allows Jesus, it gives us doors to open Jesus, to allow Jesus into our lives. The Bible in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for casting down argument, bringing every thought, bringing every imagination. And it says bringing every thought and imagination into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That even though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. And part of that warfare that we have is what we see right here and is what we observe today is that we remember we remember. I don't know about you. I travel um, often, and you know, and I, you know, and when you get a chance, you sleep in different people's beds and different things. Have you ever gotten that time when you wake up and you're just like, "Where am I?" And you have that moment of disorientation, and you have that that time. All right, or you kind of go in autopilot. You just moved, right, and you end up driving yourself to your old house, right, and you forgot. You know, and you, you forgot, you don't, you don't remember that we do these things often and we have this type of things all the time. You see, but when we, are, when we discipline ourselves to re- remember that we recognize that all things are possible with God, right? Remembering help us to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, Remembering helps us to not start with the word I can't, but it helps us to say I can because he has. The discipline of remembering is a choice, is a choice that you and I have. You see, whenever there's things that there's triggering things that end that you have an opportunity of what you're going to put, what you're going to remember. 
And while there are certain things that are just, just triggered and it just brings you to a certain point in time and history and you're, you're reminded of things, right? And this is where we talk about where we get trauma. When trauma is a, an inability to make sense of something in the past, anticipating something bad to happen in the future. And there's some trauma triggering things that we have. You see, but the Bible tells us that in the midst of that type of trauma, those things that he calls us to remember, to use and to utilize the discipline of remembering. Remembering who Christ is. Remembering what Christ has done. Over and over again, we see throughout the Bible, God, after he does something supernatural, he says, lay, lay down an altar, remember, put some stones down. I want you to be reminded, not just for you, but for generations to come. Because whenever that hard time comes, I want my people to remember. I want them to remember that I'm alive and I'm active. I'm here. And so he calls us. To remember, he calls us to use these intentional ways. He calls us to discipline ourselves, to remember, to set some intentional things, some intentional patterns in our lives that point us back to him. God left us the rainbow, right, to remind us, for us to remember the flood, but also to remind us that he's never going to flood the earth again. That he, over and over, the Bible is full of this call for the discipline for us to remembering. But it's not just remembering for remembering's sake. Remembering for remembering's sake is not enough. But he reminds us the discipline of how or who we are to remember. And this is what we see in the text. In the first thing that they say, why are you looking for the dead? Looking for the living among the dead. Why are you looking for the, the living among the dead? The first thing that he shows us in verse 6, he says, because he's not here, but he is risen. The first thing that we got to understand when, we, when we're practicing this idea of remembrance is that we have to remember that he's risen. We have to remember. It is the very foundation of our faith. The foundation of Christianity is not based upon the philosophies of Paul. The foundation is not based upon the good Samaritan doing good. The foundation of Christianity is not doing to others as much as they do, as we want to do unto them. The foundation is not even love. The foundation of the Christian life is that he is risen. The foundation is not even the death of Christ. Because if he died, he would be like any other martyr. The foundation of what you and I believe is that we believe that God came from heaven to earth, that he lived the life that you could not live. He died the death that you and I deserved. He paid the penalty. And in return, God raised him from the dead. That Christianity is different than any other thing. That Paul goes as far as to say that if Christ was not raised, that everything that I'm preaching, everything that I'm talking about is in vain. And he says, I'm the fool of all fools. That it is the basis 
And, and so what, when the angels come and he says, we have to change your perspective. It's not your devotion. It's not even your dedication. But we need to change your perspective. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Saints, can I get real for a minute? You know, over this time of COVID, I think the reality is, is that when you and I, we recognize that they're going to be writing history books about this time. These last four years, I don't know if you know that, but they are going to be writing history books about this, right? And this time has caused so much trauma, so much angst, so much, so much. And, so, and we can spend all day just talking about all the stuff, the pandemic, we can, race riots, um, I'm charging, not race riots, let me back that up. The pandemic, race wars. Right? Charging the Capitol, insurrection, all this stuff that is happening during this time. Right? In this moment, this time has triggered so much anxiety, so much loneliness, so much depression, so many things that you and I are dealing with. And you know, and the problem is, is that not only that, we had about three, two years just to think about it. We were locked up in the pandemic. And we just we can just think about it. We had our thoughts, we had our mind, and anybody with an with a iPhone or a phone, a smartphone can go online and tell us their thoughts about it. And what we've seen is the division. And what does it cause for so many of us? It caused so many of us, and I hear so many times these words that we're deconstructing our faith. We decolonizing our faith. We're de-ever, and we're just de-emphasizing our faith. And what I see over and over again is what the pers- is not even what's necessarily what's wrong. It's our perspective. The, the problem that I really believe that the angels would say to us is the same thing that they said to them. He says, the problem is not that you're deconstructing. The problem is not that you're feeling like you're trying to authentic- authenticate your faith in your culture. That's not the problem. The problem is you're looking for the living among the dead. There's too many of us in our deconstruction, too many of us in our decolonizing that have just thrown the Bible out. We've thrown out God's words. And we begin to start looking to other men, other people. And it's in our desire, hopefully our desire to truly try to understand how do we address the issues of our day How do we address the issues within our soul that we wouldn't just bring our best herbs and our best perfumes to cover up the stench, but we would look to Christ who overcomes death and raises us. And in these times that he says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. You see, Christianity is based upon that fact that if any of you want to dispel Christianity, all you got to do is just go find the bones of Christ. Paul recognizes this. The apostles recognize this. Luke recognizes this. You see, when we come to that fact, that reality, that understanding that he is risen, when we constantly focus and discipline ourselves to be reminded that he is risen, that we remember that, it's then that the text reminds us that we we remember that he's with us, that he's with us. 
It says, remember how he spoke to you when he was with you. You see, the resurrection speaks to both the present and the promise of our Savior. The resurrection allows us to understand that he is the very completion of what we yearn for in Matthew chapter 1, Emmanuel, God with us. And it affirms the very declaration that he gave in Matthew chapter 28 at the end of the book. He says, go therefore and make disciples and I will always be with you. That it affirms the reality, but it's when we remember that he's risen that we are able to remember that he's with us. That he's not this deist that so many of us that we function, that we think that God, he kind of set up everything, but then he's kind of this absentee landlord where he set things up in place, but he kind of left us left on our own to try, to try to figure it out. No, but he's still alive. He's still active. He's still engaged. And the resurrection reminds us that he is risen. The resurrection reminds us that he is still with us. It confirms his presence. Because oftentimes, if we're real, the day-to-day problems, the day-to-day struggles of our, of our lives seems a lot more real than the risen Christ. And this is the reason why God understands and God calls us to remember. He's with us. But when we remember that he's been risen, when we remember that he's with us, we also need to remember that he is for us. That he is for us. Because... You can say, he's with us. I I believe you. I believe he's alive. I believe you're there, but God, you're just not for me. God, you just don't see me. I'm here because if you were for me and if you see me, you would do something. You would do something. And what did we, and how does he respond? He, it says, remember, remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee saying, it is necessary. It is necessary that the Son of Man be portrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified and rise on the third day. Right here, when you read that, if you don't read that in in the totality of scriptures, what you miss is that that statement is the best news that you and I could ever hear. It's the best news that you and I could ever hear because ever since the beginning of time, ever since sin entered into the world, basically ever since relationships were broken between God and man, between man and woman, man and man, ever since that time and division entered into the world, whatever caused to divide is that sin divided us. But since that time, we have this word, this thing that's called, that we call the Proto-Evangelion. It's the first gospel. It's the first good news that since that time, in the darkest moment in that time, in Genesis 3.15, that there was a promise. God stepped into the darkness and gave a promise that he will be sending someone that will rescue, that will redeem. And that promise came to fruition in the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. You see, right here, he calls us to to recognize that not only is he risen, not only is he with us, but he's for us. And, And I love the word. It says it is necessary. That there, that that word is a passion word. 
It's the same word that is used when they talked about that I must go back to Jerusalem. That there's this sense that there's, there's other ways around, that there's other ways that we could have did it. But he says, no, I must go back to Jerusalem. I must go, I must suffer, and I must die. And even in the midst of you and I, when we think, and as we think we define God's will by the path of least resistance, when we think that life is about self-preservation, when we think that God wants always what's easier and better, God, Jesus, takes the very alternative and he says, I'm running to the cross. Why? For you, for me, so that we can have relationship with him. He's risen, and because he's risen, he's with us. Because he's written, he's for us. And he says, constantly cultivate your heart to pursue God above all else. you got to understand that the heart is like an idol-making factory. It's an idol-making factory. It's like weeds that just grow up, and it always is constantly trying to choke out the word of God, right? The new game out, the new, you know, the new movie out, the new series out. Did you see that new series on Netflix? Did you see that new? Like, there's always things that are always trying to choke out God's word in your life. There's always things that you can lose yourself into over and over again. We don't even have to make up something. Even if we try to eliminate one thing, something else pops up, right? And this is why the issue of remembering is a thing that is, it takes a lot of discipline. It takes a lot of, of work. And, you know, and so he says, remember, cultivate these things. We'll be reminded of these things that he's with us, reminded that he is for us, remind ourselves. And what I love is that when you constantly cultivate your heart to pursue God above all else, when you are constantly refraining from things, intentionally putting your phone down at a certain hour, intentionally doing things, the Bible says for us to not just flee temptation. He doesn't, it doesn't stop there. It doesn't just say flee all of those idle that comes in our heart that choke out God's word. But the second thing it says, it says pursue righteousness. So on one end it says flee temptation, but on the other end and James says pursue righteousness. And when we understand that the act of remembering is both fleeing and pursuing, it's then what I love in the text is that as a result, the Bible says in verse 8, and they remembered. They remembered his words. In the midst of being confused, in the midst of being frightened, the angels changed and challenged their perspective. And they first, and as they challenged their perspective, they called these women, they called them to remember. And they remembered. I love it. You know, it's like the psalmist. If you read, go back, read it later, the psalm in Psalm 77. That in the midst of a dark time, in the midst of a dark, he was struggling with the current realities of his day. And what the psalmist made it up in, in their mind, they made it up in the mind to remember the deeds of the Lord, to remember the works of the Lord. And what I love is the progression within there is that it starts off kind of with despair and a cry out to the Lord. But it ends in worship and celebration to God. Because there's something that's in our praise. There's something that's in our remembrance. It's something when we get our mind stayed upon the cross stayed upon the resurrection when we remember that not only that he's risen, but that he's with us and that he's for us, that there's something that happens within our souls. That's why each and every week when we come and we start off and we sing, I really believe that there's something about when we sing that it's spiritual warfare. 
that is causing us that in the midst of this week and as in, the, in, 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 in light of the coming week that we're going to spend this time, we're going to spend this moment, we're going to spend this hour remembering, declaring his worth. So it's not about being a fraud. It's not about being phony. It's about recalibrating. It's about reorganizing, it's reestablishing, reaffirming, declaring God's worth. It's refueling for a time that's hard. And it's in that refueling we see the psalmist, we see in each and in our every day is that when we do that and when we respond, that we, are, we respond with remembering. We respond to our remembrance. And what I love about this, and we'll close here, what I love about their response. That in their response, what, you get to see a couple of things. After they remembered the words of Jesus, after it was like, yeah, Christ did, he did talk about all of this. After their perspective was changed, the first thing they did is that they returned home. They returned home. That's significant. That's significant. You know, we can look over that because they returned home from the tomb. You, they, they were at home, and then they went to the tomb, and then they heard, and they went back home, right? Do you understand that specifically when it comes to, like, trauma or anything that's hard in our lives, when there's hard times, trauma remains powerful in our lives when we don't have a place to take it to, when we don't have a home to take our trauma to? There's nobody in this room that's going to live life without having some type of trauma. Each and every one of us are going to experience trauma. Whether it's little T trauma or a big T trauma, we all are going to have trauma. But the question becomes, is do, and the question is, is do we have a home to take it to? You see, as they are going through this progression, as they were fearful, as they were complex, as they were asking, there was like, what's going on? Where's Jesus? The angels changed their perspective and they said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. He's with you. He's for you. And once we really get that in our soul, we now have the ability to go home. We now have the ability to understand that this life that we're living it's not our, our ultimate, but we have a home that we, we have the ability to rest. And so they return home from the tomb. And not only do they return home from the tomb, what we see is as they're returning home, they report everything that they've seen to everyone. Someone whose life has been changed, you can't shut them up. Right. There was no seminar about, OK, now go tell people. There was not even a thing about here's the five points of what you need to do. It's something that was about the transformation when you when you are concentrating on remembering him, remembering the fact that he's risen, that he's with us, that he's for us. That when you go out and when you see other people that are in despair, you want to let them know he's risen. He's with you. He's for you. You just got to believe. You just have to trust. So they tell everything. It says, tell everything that you've seen. Tell everything that you've seen. And not only does it tell you to tell everything that you've seen, it says, tell everyone that you see. 
And so we see that on their way home, on their way home, they report everything. And they report to everyone. You see, you guys got to understand that people have always tried to address the problem of their day by simply covering up the stench of the decay. Saints, and for those who are believers in Jesus Christ, on our way home to be with Christ in heaven, the Bible tells us when we are practicing and cultivating the discipline of remember, we are to tell everything and we ought to tell everyone. And we ought to remind ourselves of this reality. You see, and it's in that, as I love how it ends, I love the response. You know, the response here is that in the midst, he goes back and it says, many doubted. They thought it was nonsense. Someone's, Christ, what do you, like, he's no longer in the tomb, what? They thought it was nonsense. But then you also see Peter, he didn't ask any questions. Didn't ask any questions, he just got up and he runs to the tomb. He runs to the tomb. When we commit our lives to remembering that he's risen, to remembering that he is with us, remembering that he's for us, and when we try to share that amongst other people, some are going to reject us. And some of them are going to accept us. Second Corinthians chapter 2 says that we are always victorious in Christ. And it's sort of like the triumphal entry. Whenever a foreign nation or whenever a nation would come in, that there would just be this aroma that would come. And you know, that aroma basically says that this aroma, that we say that this aroma is the aroma of Christ. But that aroma in those times, in those military days, that aroma, that scent, would say to some that I've been conquered. And that means death for me. But to some, that's, that aroma would mean it's life. You see, it's our responsibility to everywhere we go to always is to flan the aroma, to remind not just ourselves, but to remind others that he has risen, that he is with us, and that he is for us. And you know, no matter how much of a good news that we think that is for us, to some, it's going to be a stench of death. But to others, it's going to be a fragrance of life. You see, and this is our responsibility to constantly cultivate a heart to pursue God above all else. Let's stop looking for the living among the dead. Let's start looking to our risen Savior. Let's cultivate a heart of remembrance. And let's go tell others to remember him in the same. Father, we're thankful. Thanks for worshiping with us. For more information about Blueprint Church, visit us online at blueprintchurch.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Blueprint Church. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.